0: You're listening to Band Geek with Richie Castellano On the Riotcast Network Riot
1: Welcome to Band Geek. I'm Richie Castellano. This week's episode is going to be really cool. I got to go to David Geffen Hall at Lincoln Center to see the New York Philharmonic perform Empire Strikes Back. They played the entire score along with 7.1 sound effects and dialogue in sync with the movie on a giant screen, and it was amazing. This is particularly special for me because Empire Strikes Back is my favorite movie in the OT. In this episode, we're going to speak to Lou Manorino, who's the owner of L&M Sound and Light and the front-of-house engineer for the New York Philharmonic. Aside from just mixing the show, Lou also designed the system for the entire room with multiple levels of audio so that no matter where you're sitting, you get a great experience. And it was really something to behold, and I can't wait for you guys to see it. Lou is really at the top of his field with audio and sound reinforcement. He's worked with KRA and Sennheiser and other companies on designs, and he's really at the forefront of bringing live sound to the next level. How I know Lou is he was my high school music teacher, and not only was he my teacher, he was also Anne-Marie's teacher, and he was Andy Ascalese's teacher. So he's sort of like one of the forefathers of Band geeks and uh, our mentor. And here's a little weird piece of trivia – Lou taught Anne-Marie, and now Anne-Marie teaches Lou's kid at the school where she works. So, weird sort of uh, interconnected thing. But Andy and I also worked for l Sound Design, and we learned a lot there. We, uh, we learned a lot about performance and gear and mixing. So, Lou was a big influence on us. And we also played in the Curtis High School Guitar Ensemble, which Lou was the conductor of, and the Curtis High School Symphony. So, a lot of the stuff that we reference on Band Geek is from Lou and Lou was actually on the show before if you go back to our um, high school VHS episode I'll put a link up here for that so you can check that out but really what I want to talk about is how high school for me was a difficult time and you know I was just sort of finding myself and you know the other kids Richie Ben this introduction is too long you must start the show no one wants to hear about you. It's my show! You've dedicated entire episodes talking about things like this. You aren't the center of the universe. <laughs> yes, to everyone wan you listen. Move along. Yeah, but I thought people would like to hear about my high school experience <sighs> and how I met him. No me- one wants to hear about your high school experience. <laughs> Sickburn! Alright, oh. here's the show. Enjoy. May the Force be with you. Yes! This is the coolest thing ever. Hey, band geeks. I'm at David Geffen Hall. I'm going to watch the New York Philharmonic play Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Anyway, this this gentleman over here is Lou Manarino, who was my high school music teacher and Ray's high school music teacher. My boss taught me how to mix live sound, my mentor in a lot of ways, and he is currently mixing this show at David Gavin Hall. And are you the um, regular front of house guy for this this group?
0: Yeah, I'm the New York Philharmonics engineer front of house for about 11 years and the audio designer for most of the events here.
1: This is a really significant and crazy setup you have today because you've been talking to me about this for months that you've been doing this and can you talk about the setup because this is not your regular concert tonight. Wow.
0: There's a 140-piece live orchestra playing all the music, and that's the philharmonic, and then the uh, sound effects and the voice tracks uh, will be appearing in the audio design as well as parts of the orchestra. So what makes it so difficult is that it's a concert hall and it's not a movie house, so it's very live, and there's tiers. And so that means surround sounds don't actually necessarily work unless you duplicate them by four, and that's what makes it so complicated so today we're running it in 7.1 and besides 7.1 if you look up there we have our left, center, right clusters and subs but we also have left stage, center, right and then I have small speakers in the tiers like I said and all of that has to be timed very correctly to preserve you know, the articulation of the, of the voice as well as trying to get the people to feel the idea of the effects when they're talking over a 140-piece symphony, which is the Philharmonic, which isn't a movie orchestra, mind you. They're, they're Bernstein's orchestra, so they're, they're they're a new york orchestra yeah. they 're different they 're loud they 're big they 're bold they 're brassy, and they don 't take any prisoners they 're my favorite band sorry rich but <laughs> it 's my favorite band <laughs>
1: so what 's your strategy for mixing a show like this
0: so normally in a in a movie environment, the voice would be prominent in dialogue over the music, but there are times here i 'm really just going to let the band go and 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 the subtitles are up on the screen, so i 'm not going to try to fight it because we we really want to hear the complexity of the underscoring that was kind of buried in the movie and it's some some of John Williams' great, great works and I have the pleasure of working with John Williams a few times. So really? Talking to him about this. It's, it's a really interesting conversation. He's conducted here and I've mixed him a few times so it's cool. So something to talk about is the, the orchestra doesn't like to put anything in their ears but at very select times we have some wireless in ears mm-hmm. and they have a, a bud that they put on quick and we gave the maestro a uh, a shut shutoff switch and who is the maestro for this? Uh, show? David Newman who's a famous guy from LA and uh whose dad wrote the uh the theme for where the lion comes out the MGM theme oh wow <laughs> his dad wrote that so they play that tonight so it uh And so at times we need to click to keep the orchestra going, but David is really musical about following the stripe or the the time code, but not letting it... He follows it, but he doesn't let it, you know, he doesn't change his performance based upon it. Right. So he puts kind of things in the score that will allow the musicality to still persevere so there's no sacrifice. Mm. That's really cool. Something maybe to point out is that um, about the audio is that we're using really a new, I think the latest design in loudspeakers, which is Slim Array technology, where I'm using speakers that even though they're a line array, a normal arc of a line array, I'm actually digitally steering them to create even more of an opening to cover the whole entire room and by now when you say
1: digitally steering, is yeah, that mechanical? Or? It's, me-
0: it's not mechanical. It's through fur filtering. It's really ease. Okay. Is, is how we do it. Ease you might know of is a, a company from Germany that that does all of our calculations and things for audio in general. And kind of proves all the amplifiers. So it's an audio process
1: and not a e- yeah. Okay, gotcha. And
0: it's a process that that takes all of these sources and creates them as a single line source and can actually curve and bend the array through the use of delays. So, it's not EQ manipulation. It's very intelligent ways of having delays. Now, what What's unique is that you need multiple amounts of amplifiers to do it. So there might be four channels of amplifiers, six, eight, ten in each box, mm-hmm. and then that's how we do it. So we're, this is the first time in this hall we're using this technology. Uh, KRA makes it in Italy, and we're, we're loving it. It's just And Larry Rock, who's my boss, who's the recording engineer, who is amazing. He's got six Grammys, I think. He's outrageous, and he came in today and was like, ah, he loved it. (laughs) So it was really cool. So, yeah, I have a cool job. Richie has a cool job. (laughs) But I have a cool job, too.
1: For those of you who don't know what that means, when you time align a system, it's so you don't get weird phasing and everybody in the theater should hear the same quality. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I had issues with using a line array, which of course splays a horn, high frequencies kind of evenly throughout a room, but it it doesn't do that for the low mid. It Mm. bulks up the low mid. And so then if uh, Yo-Yo Ma is playing the cello, that in this half of the theater here in this bottom section, I'm going to hear it differently than I'm going to hear it on the second tier... And I just, I just needed more than that. This was maybe about eight years ago, and I've been working really hard to try to figure out a way to make it uh, work as a single source. So then if I take a meter reading, uh, an RTA, which is a real-time analyzer, and I go and I walk these different areas, I have almost identical uh, EQs throughout the whole room, So no matter what notes they're playing, I have the same timbre, same sound, same harmonic series.
1: So how much of it do you rely on math and meters, and how much of it is ears?
0: Well, that's a great question, because it's like anything else. It's a tool, Mm -hmm. and it gets you started, and I do predictions first. Then I do calculations, and then I use software, and then hardware, and uh, and then ultimately I have to hear it. So sometimes I could have it correct, but it doesn't feel right or it doesn't work. And that's, that's the difference, I think. So I might add milliseconds of delay because I want to preserve the idea or pres- to have the brain believe that it's coming from a specific spot. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to... To fool the brain to know where it's coming from locationally, and not focus on the audio because of this. Because ninety percent of the orchestra tonight is acoustic, right? And then it's really what I do for the orchestra has got to be mixed properly, and then of course the whole film element and sound effects is another thing. So
1: when you're talking about manipulating things with you know the milliseconds, are you trying to go for maybe even like a wider image than? Like if so, you said you're in seven point one, for example. So if you tweak things a little bit, can you make the space even bigger than than it is? I can,
0: <laughs> and then and then I run into the problem of of time sync to the lips on the okay. screen, and then there's a whole because I I think for those who understand what I'm talking about, just general things are I have that front fill loudspeaker there thirty six milliseconds later because they're perceiving mostly from the center of the screen, hmm. so I need that to to feel clear when the word comes out. Things like that. And sometimes uh, ultimately you know, sometimes I just put on a snare drum mm-hmm. and that's how I can timeline it after I'm done with all the math because I can't, like anything else, we use it we can't trust it yeah. always, you know It
1: sounds maddening to do
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can give you the 36 page file I have on, and then you can read all the graphs. It's, it's a little maddening but it was so much fun to do it here because I'm you know, every musician on this stage tonight is considered to be the best musician in the world on that instrument. It's pretty undisputed that the New York Philharmonic's the best orchestra in the world. That means that every player in this orchestra, like Chris Lamb, the percussionist, is the greatest percussionist probably in the world. That's why he's here. And I think that that's uh, an interesting thing, at any rate. You that's, know? that's exciting and that's yeah.
1: awesome. And to hear what? What are you saying? Oh, yeah, he's playing right now. That's right,
0: that's Chris right now. <laughs> that's true.
1: He's shredding. But, uh, <laughs> I've,
0: I've been so distracted by how
1: my phone. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be crazy to, that people of this caliber are playing the music that nerds like. <laughs> yes! Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about... You, you said you have two versions of the film playing simultaneously? Yeah. And that's a, a backup
0: thing? Yeah, you know, sometimes... Uh, Different video playback systems have specific issues in running with non-compressed video. So sometimes, like in a version of a software called QLab, which is very popular, that they, after an hour, it might pull apart from the sync. I got you. And of course, that's detrimental to us, because then the maestro is not going to be able to land, and everything's going to get messed up. So we're running a new system called Pix tonight, and then, and then simultaneously encode running redundancies. So we really have to be able to be prepared to switch. So in my console, I have layers underneath, underneath. of of multiple setups to be able to just page right through. Mm. And then in the back, you can see all my distribution amplifiers for just sending signals everywhere I need them to go. Amazing. I'm using about 30, maybe 32 or 36 channels of output equalization, just output uh, for the room, you know, speaker systems. Let's talk about your console here. What are you using? I, I like Midas consoles. I like British consoles. You know, everybody has favorites. I mean, I'll, I'll work on anything because I'm not a snob. And I think most things sound good. And I've, he, I've heard guys mix with Mackie mixers and do a great job. So I'm, I'm not that way. But you, t-
1: you taught me on a Mackie mixer, by year. the way. So.
0: <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm a little more established in my life and the owner of my own company. So I can afford to bring whatever I want. And I like the English sound of the mic Prees, But I will say something about digital desks. A digital desk sounding good is not really the issue for me. It's how all the channels together sound. And that's the latency between each of the channels. So I can get a great sound on a channel, but I might not get a great sound on a section. Or I might ruin the feel of a drum kit... Because it, it's not really, they're not summing properly. And I find that that uh, different consoles treat those things differently. Mm-hmm. And I like Digico and Midas and, and uh, more of the English console sound. So. And I do think it makes a difference in, in working with very specific instrumentation. What we're using, I'm using Shure's microphones and I'm using Neumann and uh, the Sennheiser 8000 series, which, you know, I worked with Dr. Sennheiser on. On the uh, evolution.
1: I, I three saw ones. the Mixed Magazine ad, so I'm just.
0: <laughs> so I've been working on with a lot of uh, speaker manufacturers and microphone manufacturers on trying to capture. Ooh, there's RTD too. I <laughs> just want to play now? That's <laughs> <all right>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That I means I need a headset
0: mic now. <laughs> I've got a mic RTD for me. <laughs> I did. That was amazing. <laughs> so
1: there's one thing that I want to point out to the Band Geek listeners and viewers is that Lou is in a unique position here because not a lot of sound engineers like him have actually conducted an orchestra, a symphony orchestra, and you have for several years, and I, I played in, in those orchestras with at you. At Lincoln Center. At, at Lincoln Center. Thank you very much. The thing is... Um, that's got to give you an edge, you know what I mean, just to know what's
0: going on the whole time. I think, I, I think, yes, but but I think almost more importantly, it helps me with communication because I can, I feel comfortable talking to a maestro about a score and talking about doubling of parts or not or what the rationale is about where somebody might be sitting or, or how to speak about the dynamics. And then I also think it helps me in a technical way to talk with the stagehands who of course without them this wouldn't happen we happen to be lucky especially in New York to have a great you know IATS all over but in New York the local one here happens to be great and especially in this hall and I have to tell you they've been by the way pampering me to get this right Uh, all of my ideas and it's it's really happy to have a crew of 30 people helping me with this yeah amazing
1: So, how do you balance being someone who was who a maestro yourself and a conductor versus being an engineer in this capacity?
0: You know, I was, uh, got my master's in bass, I mean my undergrad in bass, acoustic bass, and I got my master's in conducting, and And I was mixing the New York Pops when I was in grad school and realizing that I had more an effect, I felt I had more of an effect as the audio engineer than I did as the sixth bass player, <laughs> gotcha. you know, and I, I hope that's okay to say, but I think the most important part I said earlier was was communication, and I think perspective about how individuals approach their role if I as an engineer are and trying to not just get the kick drum sound that I want, okay, channel one, hit the kick, hit the kick snare. You know, I would remove myself sometimes from that and 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 listen to the instrument acoustically, listen to it from a drummer's perspective, try to really understand what that what Yo-Yo Ma is trying to achieve with that specific composer. And and I found that it is really outrageous with what how these composers and musicians how much they care about what they're doing, how much you care about your sound. You know, And then when a sound man comes in and tries to fit it into his can, right. her can, it, it's really an interesting thing. So I think, I think me being a maestro has really given me perspective, which ultimately, I hope, gives me more humility to really listen to others, which inevitably makes me better.
1: Now, one thing I'm looking forward to seeing is how crazy are you going while you're mixing this? Like, Are you mixing sections the whole time? Are you, or, do you, or do you sort of get a balance with the orchestra, let it be... Let the maestro, um, you know, control levels, or are you helping a little bit?
0: Wow, it's, it's all really the maestro, and then I yield to what's... It's almost like a mixed minus. I yield to what's missing. Gotcha. Or I'm making notes sometimes uh, for the next performance. This is actually the opening night of, of this film, and uh, so we haven't rehearsed the whole film yet. I actually haven't heard the complete dialogue tracks yet, so I could be missing a line or two just tonight. look at me i'll help you <laughs> it's a well, the problem. thing is i don't know where they're popping up okay. you know we have so many tracks coming what we call from the stems of the video i uh sometimes they bury yoda on a track and i don't know where he is you know and i'm trying to figure that all out but yeah yeah i'll be scrambling a bit for sure, um, yeah. Did,
1: did you have to work with Disney at all to, to get this happening? Yeah,
0: yeah. I know that this orchestra is premiering it, and then from here all of our notes will then go back into the studio. They'll change things, and then they're going to send it out for a five-year tour, I think. But, um, but yeah, we've been working about uh, three months with Disney and, and a company called Epilogue Media, who has done all the editing and mastering Of of this particular series
1: Now your son Rudy's helping you with this, right?
0: Yeah, Rudy did the install with me And uh uh, my son he's graduated NYU. He's a musician and and uh, a new engineer, and uh, yeah, he has to learn how to listen more to other people. And uh, he worked with you last week. He, Thank he you.
1: did. We yeah. we put him through the ringer. He he worked on a classic BOC weekend with no sleep and no sound checks, and he did great. Probably because of your training. And and you and you told me. I said he's doing great. You're like you know make him work harder. I'm like okay. <laughs>
0: My son Rudy said to me, Dad, I'm going to take the summer off. I just graduated college. I said, no, no, no. You just graduated college? You know what? Since you said that, I'm sending you out on the warp Tour. And he went out on the warp Tour that first summer after yeah. college. And that taught him well. We Th- that, that's,
1: a, that's a crazy story by <laughs> itself right there. It really is. But uh, it looks like you've got to get ready. So yep. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Lou, thank you so very much for doing okay, this. Cool. And Thanks. I can't wait. And when this tours, check it out in a town near you. Yeah. So, thank you so much. You're welcome. So, that's it for our Empire Strikes Back at Lincoln Center episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you support Band Geek by using our tip jar. That's ritchiecastellano.com slash tip jar and it's a regular PayPal form. And if you use Amazon... Go to riotcast.com slash bandgeek, hit the Amazon banner at the top of the page, then you do your shopping like normal, and a small percentage of your purchase goes to supporting our show, and it doesn't cost you anything
0: extra. So thanks a lot for watching. Hope you had a good time. See you next time.